are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Jay, you're back. <laughs> hey, You've just yeah. been having fun here. No, I, <laughs> dang, you should have been the host. You're a lot more entertaining than I am, for sure. Um, <laughs> well, Jay, I mean, what you've been up? I mean, you've been up early, and you have what twenty kids or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, not yet. Don't don't give my wife any ideas. But no, we just we just have three. They're all they're five. You said it. I know, I know. You said Don't. it. You've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. Um, look how red I'm turning. Uh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, I know. Good. I have one, and I, I had to hide her. So she's she's hiding. I'll have to let her out when we're done. But one of the cool things I want to make sure you bring up is when you and I started talking about doing this event and having you come on, you're like, you know what? I'm going to be out of town. And I was like, hmm. But, and then you came back in and says, but I can do it anyway, because that's why I invest yeah. in real estate. So where were you supposed, yeah. this was, co- I'm, I'm assuming COVID changed your plans, right? But you were supposed to be yeah. on a girl's trip. Uh, no, so it, I was calling it our friends adventure trips. We had 15 friends that we were bringing to Bali and we were supposed to leave on the 16th or supposed to leave two days ago, um, obviously. You know, that, that didn't happen. And then I had a really special 10-year anniversary trip planned for my husband. We were going to go to Moab. And that was about a month ago. And we decided to not do that one. Um, and then we also had, you know, in June, we were going to leave for six months and travel the world, our little family. So that is on hold. But, um, but you know what? All is well. We've been hanging around the house. We bought five chicks I have 160 bees coming to my house <laughs> next week. So yeah, we went from like uh, world travelers to homesteaders. That's awesome. In about 30 days. And But you did this <laughs> uh, six month stint last year too, right? Or was it six months or no? I, I'm yeah, stalking so you on Facebook, uh, by the way. I'm living <laughs> through you thinking oh. one day when we stop having kids, then we're going to be able to <laughs> It's a lot. I'll, I'll tell you something. When we had just the one... Um, it was a lot easier to travel. Uh, we went yeah. to Boston. We did. We didn't. We no inter- international stuff um, for us since we've had kids. But it was. It was just a lot easier to pick up and travel. And and with three, it's a little different. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, you did. You you did this uh, similar trip last year or year before maybe. Yeah. So that was, uh, well, we've been, we, we spent 16 weeks traveling last year. So 2019 and they all kind of just like Start running <laughs> go into each other. Yeah. yeah. But no, we spent, uh, the longest one was 10 weeks and we did Southeast Asia and that was kind of our, like get outside of our comfort zone trip. Uh, because for one, we had never been to Asia. We don't tend to eat Asian food. Uh, we're, we're very kind of boring on our, um, like what we eat, like we're just, you know, we live out in the country. So I like our version of Thai food is orange chicken. Uh, so we're like, yeah, let's go to Southeast Asia, 10 weeks. Um, and, and it, it was just a blast. We loved it. Um, so yeah. So, and it, the interesting thing is, you know, I, I thought, Hey, um, we're going to leave 10 weeks. Everything's going to break. Tenants are going to probably like form a coup and move out and leave and not pay rent. Business is going to blow up. 
And you know what happened? Mm, Tell you. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> Everyone paid. <laughs> Everyone paid. Everything went really well for our rentals. Um, the business grew while I was gone, which meant that I was a bottleneck. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting lesson. Oh, that's um, got to be humbling because I know I get in my, my way all the time. And uh, yeah. this summit, for example, I had a handful of people come to me months ago and say, hey, how can I help? And I was like, I don't know because it's the first time I'm doing this. <laughs> I want to go through it myself. And even Annette, who's in the chat, she's she's been helping. She's a, member, a faithful member of the mastermind that I run. And she was, she's been hitting me up all day with text. And yesterday, I'm like, like, I don't know. And it's just one of those things where I've got to go through it first to put it on and then yeah. I can start feeling like I can dedicate it. So hopefully this is not the only one, right? Um, yeah. But uh, you're right. There is sometimes we're our worst on uh, hurdle to success. So, um, or obstacle to success as their own self. So um, I'm going to stop babbling because I feel like that's what I'm doing um, <laughs> and turn it over to you and let you just kind of run with it. Um, oh. And what I'm asked is you, you obviously are very familiar with Zoom and you're handling the questions while I stepped away for a minute. If you want me to monitor the chat, the Q&A, I can do that. You just let me know uh, if you want me to interrupt you during your presentation or if you want uh, questions at the end. Cool. Yeah, and um, so this is about three hours, right? I have three hours? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know sorry. you had that sort of sense of humor, but I love it. I love it. Uh, so you, you got go. about an I hour. Have to keep you guys on your toes. Come on, this is the last one. Got to wake us up have for fun sure. Here. Yeah, I ran out of trivia questions two hours ago, so uh, we're we're trying to. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, take as long as you need. I'm gonna sit here. I mean, my kids are gonna go to bed uh, before we're done anyway. So. Uh, ah. We're good. But no, Jennifer, Amazing. thank you for being here. I really do appreciate it. I yeah. am humbled by your donation. I saw that. I'm, I'm going to send you what I'm calling the care package, which is every piece of swag that I have. Uh, so um, I'll follow up with you after that or after this for that. But uh, the floor is yours, ma'am. Take it away. All righty. Okay. So let me see if I can get my little presentation on here. Um, oh, yeah. And Jay, to answer your question, um, I think what we'll do. So I love a lot of interactions. You guys go ahead and interact in the chat. Um, I'm going to prompt you guys to some questions. If you guys have Q&A, uh, I think it's better. Like, so chat, let's interact with each other. If you have questions, though, I think it's easier for the Q&A. Um, I am kind of a Zoom expert now these last 30 <laughs> days. I'm doing a lot on Zoom. <laughs> no. Uh, so anyways, okay, let me see if I can get my presentation on here. And then we're good. good. You're good to go. Sweet. Alrighty, guys. So I won't make this three hours. Uh, I'll try to be kind of fast, but I do want to leave a lot of time for Q&A because I'm super passionate about this topic. So, um, so yeah, I want to give you guys everything that uh, I've learned over 13 years in investing and helping a lot of other people build their own portfolios. So let's get to it. And again, thanks, Jay, so much for all your efforts. I mean, gosh, I'm just blown away that you've gone a full day and a half um, and you've got a wife and three kids and you work full time. And I mean, I'm just blown away by uh, yeah. your ability to, to run this thing. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about the real, real hero as she is in the other room where the kids right now, and hopefully you cannot hear them screaming because it's probably close to bath time <laughs> and she's meant. So yes, 
Uh, all oh. credit goes to her for sure. Amazing. Amazing. And hey, thank you guys for being here too. Uh, especially, so Jay, there's a couple in here that have been going um, the last two days, the last day and a half with you. So uh, I know if you guys are here, you are those driven, ambitious guys that are willing to, guys and gals that are willing to take action. So super excited to be here with you all tonight. All right. So uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Jennifer Beatles. I've been investing uh, for way too long, uh, about 13 years. I'm based in the Pacific Northwest, uh, about 40 miles now, uh, not 40 miles, 40 minutes north of Seattle. I've been a licensed real estate agent specializing in investment properties for the past 11 years. So in addition to helping investors build their rental portfolios, my husband and I have experience building spec homes, developing land, building small multifamily properties, acquiring value-add multifamily units, and uh, ultimately, we've built our own six-figure-a-year passive income portfolio, allowing us to achieve financial freedom and go on all these super fun trips. Uh, these were all just the trips from uh, last year. So we, I think we hit up 18 countries, uh, if we counted correctly. All right. And then, uh, so I, own a, I call it a business with a purpose. So um, I have a real estate brokerage called Agents Invest, and we also have an investor community called Addicted to ROI. Our mission is to help investors build their own six-figure passive income portfolios. So in 2016, I actually pivoted from um, only serving investors in Washington state to um, now serving investors uh, across the nation. So how we do that is we research the markets uh, that we feel like are the best out-of-state investing markets, and then we put teams together. So we search for investor-friendly agents agents that understand, you know, models like the Burr strategy can find, um, you know, value add multifamily can find on and off market deals. And we seek to um, educate investors on these different strategies, make connections to these agents. And we also do a lot of fun um, when we could <laughs> in-person events and group investing trips. So the picture on the bottom was one of our in-person workshops. Uh, the picture on the top was uh, one of our small group walking tours. We had, um, usually on our investor trips, we have about 40, 50 people. Um, and that was on a walking tour on one of our group trips. That was super fun. All right, so before I share with you guys my framework, I need to share with you my journey <laughs> because it wasn't uh, it wasn't always uh, easy and it, and it was kind of uh, a lot of moving around. So let me start. So uh, if you guys haven't seen this before, this is Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. And actually, if you guys have seen this before, let us know in the chat. Um, this is something I learned about. Gosh, I think it might have been in two thousand nine. Um, but basically, you have. Uh, these four quadrants, right? So quadrant uh, E is for employee, S is for self-employed, B is for business owner, and I is for investor. Uh, what Robert Kiyosaki says is on the left side of the quadrant, that's when you're trading time for money. And on the right side of the quadrant, that's where you're trading money for more money uh, and or you know on the business owner side you are not necessarily working in the business you're working um, on the business which allows you a scaled revenue allows you to bring income in no matter where you're at in the world and it took me a while to learn this so let me take you guys back to the beginning kind of of my story uh, that was in 2007 I was 21 years old and I had just bought my first house uh, I was working two jobs at the time um, because I wanted to make sure that I had enough income 
to afford this house. And then all of the renovations that it required, <laughs> the house was now me being in Washington state, uh, 1901 built house is very old for us. I know some of you guys on the East coast, that is not very old. Uh, but for us on the West coast, that was pretty old. So that was my very first house. Um, this thing probably was more of, of a dumpster bait <laughs> type property, but uh, it was what I could afford and it had a big lot. And I knew that at some point, you know, that house could be dumpster bait and I could do something with that lot. So that kind of piqued my interest. That was a defining moment for me, if you will. Um, and I decided that I had to get into real estate. So I got hired on with a builder developer. And again, this is 2007. So 2007, early 2018, things were great. Uh, I kind of worked up within the company. I was literally able to walk across the street to the bank with a budget. And the bank was you know, giving us a lot of money to build houses. So we built spec houses and we also built small multifamily. So that was good and great. Houses were selling like hotcakes. Everyone was having a blast. And then everything changed. And so in uh, late 2008 to early 2009, again, West Coast were uh, maybe about 18 months behind the rest of the country. So it hit us a little bit uh, later than it hit other areas. Uh, but we turned into, we went from being a spec home builder to kind of consulting company. The banks literally had no idea what they were taking back, what properties were worth. Other builders were knocking on our door saying, uh, should we continue to build these properties? Should we just let them all go? What do we have? What are these things worth? What do we do? So at a very young age, I was put in this kind of uh, interesting position to navigate the waters with these um, you know, very wealthy builders, these bankers that had no idea what they were doing, and um, try to kind of sort out this mucky mess that everyone was in. In the meantime, I had gotten my real estate license. It was May of 2009. And mostly because I just wanted to be able to let myself in the door. Um, I didn't really have interest in becoming a real estate agent, um, but I just wanted to use the, uh, the commission as part of the down payment and then also maybe bring in some side money. Uh, in about six months, I sold six houses though. <laughs> and this was on the side uh, in addition to working full time. And so it was December 31st, 2009 when I... That was the last time I've ever traded time for money and collected a paycheck. Um, and I, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to try this real estate agent thing. Everyone thought I was crazy. Most real estate agents were getting out of the business. And here I was getting into the business. And the reason why I closed, I, I remember it you know, exactly the day, is because I had closed on a house hack duplex the day before. So little note, if you plan on quitting your job, close on a property first and then quit your job. Don't get it the other way around because you likely will not be able to close your loan. So that was a moment for me. I decided I was going to now move from the employee uh, quadrant into self-employed, right? So uh, who's our self-employed people? If we have any self-employed uh, people on, let us know in the chat. Uh, and you guys know, <laughs> my, my, my thought was that uh, I would actually be able to to make more and work less as a self-employed person. But any of our self-employed people that are on know that that is absolutely not true. <laughs> and so anyway, so here I was now self-employed. Uh, shortly after quitting my job, about three months later, my husband and I got married. 
we had paid for this uh, pretty exotic honeymoon in Fiji. And we found ourselves another defining moment. We were sitting in our hotel room at this fancy resort that we had prepaid for, and we were literally broke. I remember calling my credit card company and asking to see if we had anything left uh, on our available credit so that we could actually do some kind of like excursion. And our credit card, my credit card was completely maxed out. So it was, it was pretty comical, really. Here we were at the, we, we even stayed on like a private island at one point, uh, obviously with other people. But um, so we had this beautiful honeymoon and no money to leave the resorts. So that led me, that was a defining moment. My husband and I decided to spend that entire honeymoon kind of mapping out our future. And, and from that uh, broke moment, we realized that we couldn't just have my self-employed income and his W-2 income. We needed additional income streams and we needed them ASAP. <laughs> so we came back from our honeymoon and decided, you know, at that point we had actually had a couple properties, but we decided that we were going to go kind of all in on this um, investment business. So with very little money, we were able to continue to buy other properties. We decided to live off of my husband's income, use all the income that I made as a uh, investor-focused real estate agent to invest. And so that kind of uh, was our defining moment, taking us from the category. We, we kind of you know bounced back and forth between self-employed employed and investor, um, but that served us really well. It took a couple of years to really kind of build up enough uh, passive income. And then in 2014, my husband was able to quit his job and retire. He was, at, he was 30 years old at that point. Uh, we had replaced his W-2 income uh, with rental income. Uh, but the downside was I had another pivotal moment, another defining moment in 2015. And you guys, I was killing it uh, as a real estate agent. Nobody else wanted to serve investors. So uh, I, I kind of had my um, my pick of, of who to work with, right? And, and, and the market had turned around. So a lot of people were looking to invest um, and I was making a lot of money. But the downside was I was still living in that self-employed bucket and I had no time. So here we were, 2015. It was my daughter's first birthday. We were in Hawaii. We even took our it, my in-laws, you know, my husband's parents to Hawaii with us. And I was stuck in the condo the entire time trying to negotiate a deal. My husband came to me and he said, your daughter's been asking all day long when mommy is going to come out of the condo and go in the pool with her. And he's like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what we talked about five years ago. It's just not worth it. You've got to figure out how you get yourself out of that self-employed uh, quadrant and that, that bucket because we just don't see you. And that was really hard for me, <laughs> especially as a, as a mom, as a wife. Um, I didn't want to let my husband down. I didn't want to let my daughter down. And we came back from that and realized, gosh, I've got to, I've got to figure out another way. Um, and, and that's truly, I think going from self-employed to business owner is potentially harder than going from the left side to the investor quadrant. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was really tough um, because, you know, earning a high income, um, you know, there's a, there's a level of achievement that you feel with that. Right. <laughs> um, but I knew that, you know, I was no longer willing to sacrifice my freedom of time. Um, and, you know, a lot of trips that we had gone on, I was always working, right? And so I was kind of justifying it by saying, oh, well, we're in Mexico. Uh, but there I was tied to my laptop and on my phone negotiating deals. So that's kind of been my journey. Now, um, 
took me a, a very long time um, to really kind of figure this out. Um, but now, you know, we realized the solution was creating enough passive income streams, um, you know, some from the business and then um, a lot from our rental portfolios. The goal was that we would have freedom, right? The freedom of when to, of to, when to choose, when to work and when not to. The freedom to take real vacations, right? So uh, I wanted to be able to take time off whenever I wanted to. So uh, I had mentioned, or Jay and I were talking about the 16 weeks of vacation that we took last uh, last year, and that was very valuable to us. And the amazing thing is we didn't have to pay for that on the income side, right? Uh, so the income was still coming in no matter what country we were in, no matter what we were doing that day. Um, even that 10 weeks that I took off, um, I mean, very, very little work was done. The business grew, the rental portfolio did fantastic. So if I can do it, you guys, you can too. So I, I hope that you're, <laughs> you're learning that from, uh, from this, from this message and from my mistakes, truly. All right. And then of course, yeah, passive income. So income comes in no matter where you're at in the world. So what we're looking for is to create freedom in both time and money. So let me show you guys my nine step framework here for how I finally figured out, figured this out. And then also this is how we built our business. Um, so we built a business saying, okay, like how can we help other investors do what we've done too? Because sometimes the downside to having this freedom is you want to spend time with friends, right? So you want your friends um, to have freedom too, so that you guys can travel together like that, uh, you know, our, our 15 friend um, trip to Bali that uh, we'll have to, of course, we have to reschedule. Um, but things like that, that, that's what really gets us excited. So, all right, so I'm going to break it down step by step. Uh, so we're going to kind of digest this a little bit here. And then um, definitely as you guys have questions, feel free to ask them in the Q&A. Um, and then also I'm going to ask you guys kind of where you're at and how I might be able to best help you in this um, hour or so that we have together. All right. So the way I see it is that there's three different, um, three different buckets really of what these steps fall into. So one of those is mindset, the second one is strategy, and the third is connections. So a lot of, and, and really kind of how this came for, uh, to fruition as well. So of course, my husband and I have done this ourselves, but I realized that, um, you know, when, when we had new investors kind of coming into our database, um, investors were always asking kind of like, a, what should I be doing and where should I start? Um, and then, you know, a lot of times we kind of go into like a goal setting exercise and I, I found consistently across the board, most people had the goal of replacing their income or, you know, netting $10,000 a month um, or, you know, having these additional income streams so that they could, a lot of people love their job and have no desire to quit their job, right? I love working in my business and working on my business, right? I, I have no desire to not do that. But having the freedom of these different income streams, um, you know, coming in no matter where we're at, that provides a lot of freedom. And I want that for you guys too. All right. So let's talk about mindset. So step one, you have to focus on scaling revenue and actually building passive income streams. So, okay. So what does this look like? So first is you have to think about what your target monthly passive income number is. So for everyone, that's going to be a little bit different. Some people have very low expenses and they don't need a whole lot of passive income to come in to uh, replace and cover all of those expenses. Um, 
some people have a more expensive lifestyle, right? Or they're used to living, um, you know, a different way. And so they're going to want more passive income coming in. I mean, I have some friends, uh, gosh, I have a friend of mine that, I mean, he nets $25,000 a month in his rental portfolio. We talk every week and, um, and it's just really interesting, you know, kind of how his life differs from my life and, you know, things like that. I have other friends who um, are just doing really, really well on a couple thousand dollars a month. And that's covering all of their living expenses. So there's really no one size fits all with this. Um, the next idea too would be like, what is the cost of your ideal lifestyle? So for us with travel, we do pay for a lot of our travel uh, through like travel hacking with renovations and things like that. Um, but, you know, for us, I mean, obviously we have mortgage payments that, uh, you know, that sit like our primary house that's vacant while we're out traveling. And so there's some expenses there. So uh, we've had to increase or we've decided to increase our monthly passive income number as we've added more to our dream lifestyle budget. And the next is why is building a passive income portfolio important to you? How will your life be different? And, you know, what will you seek to do once you've achieved those goals? So let me know in the chat. I'll give you guys a minute. Um, is you can say, like, do you have a monthly passive income goal? So who has a monthly passive income goal? And if you don't, that's totally okay. Maybe that's your step one. Maybe that's where you start. If you're kind of, you know, seeking out, um, like, where to start from this great summit that Jay has put together, maybe that's your start. Maybe it's just getting a goal um, and, and trying to figure out, um, you know, step one is how much passive income do we need? So let me know in the chat who already has a monthly passive income number or a goal that you're working towards. Jay, I imagine you have one. Um, I actually don't. And a lot of people okay. find that surprising because, um, you know, the whole thing about the W2 capitalist is you, you said it earlier, you want to have a choice, right? I enjoy yeah. what I do. Um, it does take away from the family. It also gives me breaks when, when you need it. Right. Um, but you know, my ultimate goal is to build 300 years of generational wealth. Uh, I stole that well, from my go. friend, Taylor Pugh. Um, I can't put a number on what monthly passive income it, what that is. Right. So okay. I, I have, I will work as long as I'm able to. Um, but it's, it's really, and I don't even know what that number is, right. To be able to hit that, that yeah. goal of mine. But I do know that there are certain risks and things that I've got to take steps I've got to take to get to the next step. So then I can figure out what the next step is. You were, you were yeah. talking about that for a lot of people. Um, this is their first time at kind of looking at something like this, right? People who have been here for yep. a couple of days, um, kudos to you for sticking it out. I think you've gotten a lot of information out of it. But yeah, your next step is to figure out really why you want to invest in real estate. And I'm going to talk a little bit about yep. that in the in the closing comments. But yeah, I, I don't Absolutely. have, uh, I actually don't have a monthly number. It just, whatever my number is now, it just needs to go up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Great. Well, and maybe for you, it's, a, um, you know, maybe it, it would be helpful to define, uh, define that goal a little bit, right? And maybe it's not a monthly passive income number. Maybe that's a unit count or a certain amount of net worth. Uh, so for some people, it's less, you know, especially if they have no desire to quit their job, 
um, but they do have a desire to leave, like you, you know, generational wealth, right? So maybe that's that's building up the net worth. Um, so focusing every month on okay, so like how do I move that that net worth uh, needle or the um, assets under management or or whatever that metric is. So awesome. Okay, great. All right, we'll we'll move on to step two. So step two is you have to get your financial house in order. All right, so what does that look like? Um, so getting your financial house in order. So for some people, that's improving their debt to income ratio, right, to be able to qualify for financing. For some people, that is listing out all of the different ways that they can fund their investments. So that was a challenge for my husband and I as we said, all right, um, okay, so here's our why, here's our number, but step two, how are we going to fund this? And so my husband and I listed out seven different ways that we can find the funds to invest. So at first we actually started, uh, I know it sounds kind of interesting, but we started by building houses. And so that was, that was my skill set. So, you know, here I was working as a real estate agent. My first five listings were houses that we had built. Um, and so we didn't have the money to build those houses. We raised friends and family capital and we project managed the whole thing, saw it through, sold the properties, got our percentage of profit. And then that kind of kickstarted our investing career. And then through that, of course, I was working as a real estate agent. So we were living off of my husband's salary, using all of the extra income from uh, the commissions and things that I was earning to fund our investments. Then we moved on to um, things like, you know, low down payment house hacking, um, partnering on deals, Burr, using HELOCs, using retirement accounts, uh, 1031s, live-in flips. Um, there's so many different ways that you can find the funds. I think um, maybe somebody else asked that to, to Michael that I, that I heard uh, was kind of like, okay, well, what are the different ways that you're finding the funds to continue to invest? Because a lot of investors, you know, when they get started, they might uh, put all their savings into one property. <laughs> and then it might take them another two, three years to save up all the money for the next one. And it doesn't necessarily have to go that way. There's so many different ways that you guys can um, continue to, to have the funds to invest. I mean, the Burr strategy is fantastic because you can recycle those funds, right? So we did that a lot in the beginning too. We had a certain amount of nest egg that we were working with. Then we bird out of it, uh, got that money back, and then went on to the next one. So there's so many different ways that... Um, that you guys can find the funds to invest. So that would be step two. So um, if you've gotten that figured out, let us know in the chat if you've uh, identified multiple ways to uh, you know, find the funds to invest, uh, then kudos to you. That's, that's an amazing um, you know, first few steps for having. All right, so step three. Number three is you need to define your investing criteria. So we get a lot of investors that come in and they say, well, yeah, can you just uh, can you just send me a good deal? Now, a good deal to me might be totally different to you and, and that's okay, right? We all, we all are kind of on a, a different path, a different journey, you know, different strokes for different folks. I mean, we all have, um, you know, different things that we're going after. Um, but you need to know what your investing criteria is, right? So... Um, one, because you need to know what you're looking for so you can kind of weed out, you know, what's, what's not going to work. And then two is so that you can communicate that to the people who are searching for deals for you. Um, so I get a lot of deals across my desk. Um, every, I mean, I get mobile home parks, self-storage. I get, um, I'm trying to think of what I've seen in the last week. Somebody sent me a 94 unit new construction, uh, kind of new build thing. I've got multiple land development deals because my background is in land development. And it's really easy for me to... 
uh, kind of filter through all of those because my investment criteria is really, really clear. So I'll quickly kind of show what that looks like for you. Um, so for me to buy a deal, I need it to be in the right location. I need to have the right team in place and I need it to be a value add deal. So in the location category, I want a location that's going to have potential for appreciation. I like a you know healthy mixture between appreciation and cash flow. I want to attract good tenants and I want to make sure that that city has long-term growth. Um, on the team side, I need to be sure that I can get good financing. So there are some properties that are just going to be really hard to finance. And if the seller's not willing to finance it, then uh, that can be really tough. So I need to make sure that, uh, that we can get the financing taken care of. Number two, I need to have a rock star property management. Um, these days I buy a lot out of state now. So property management is key. Having a great property manager is incredibly important. And then of course, number three is having an investor savvy agent, right? Having an agent that's really plugged into that marketplace, knows what they're doing, knows, um, you know, has different connections that I can tap into, um, and their network, you know, I want to be able to, to tap into those guys. All right. So value add. So I want to make sure that it's recession proof. Now, um, now, now more than ever, it's incredibly important to make sure that you're investing in recession-proof deals. Um, you know, this category, this, this um, criteria has remained the same since 2009, um, just because that's when I got started, right? So I, I was looking at everything from a, is this a recession-proof lens? Uh, number two is that it needs to have room to increase the NOI, the net operating income. So I want to have the ability to, you know, find options for reducing the expenses, increasing the income, because that allows me then forced depreciation and double digit returns. So everyone's criteria is going to be different. Uh, we have some investors that want to focus, you know, just on like a two to four unit properties uh, for that, you know, very vanilla conventional financing. We have people that only want to invest within 30 minutes of their home and that's fine. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. If you have deals in your own backyard, then that is amazing. That is great. Uh, I'm outside of Seattle. We don't have deals in my backyard, at least anymore, um, that work for me. So, you know, we're, we're looking in other areas. All right. Question real quick. Yeah, go when for you, it. When you say recession proof, yeah. what, are, what are some things that make, because there are speculations that we're about to head into a recession, which by definition is, is what three months or three months, three quarters of negative GDP growth, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when you say recession proof, what are some of the things that make a property uh, in a recession proof or more recession proof than say a different property? Yep, absolutely. So uh, what's worked really well for us is we prefer two bed, one bath units that are going to be anywhere from maybe 700 square feet to uh, like 1100 square feet. So uh, with a three bed, we do have a couple three beds and, you know, that's going to be maybe in the 1200 to 1500 square foot category. Um, and then on the rents, we like to be uh, between eight, 800 a month to 1500 a month. And that's going to cover, you know, most of the United States, right? So from a recession proof standpoint. So really what I'm asking is, are tenants going to be able to pay the rent if they are on unemployment? So when we were buying um, properties in 2009, 10, 11, 12, you know, whatever, since, since 2007, um, there was a time when 25% of our tenants were on unemployment and it, every one of them was able to afford and pay for the rent because it was affordable. So I think Michael had talked about that in his session. Um, affordability is incredibly important. Now, um, I know some people 
and I think Michael mentioned this too, like in, in any market, there's going to be winners, right? I mean, people are going to be able to find deals no matter what market they're in. Um, I'm a little worried about the CD class stuff, uh, the really cheap rentals. Um, I think that those are going to be hit hard. And so sometimes when people, I mean, I've had some investors say, oh, well, the rent's so cheap, anyone can afford it. But they have to remember uh, the kind of quality of tenants, right? I mean, those tenants don't tend to uh, know about, you know, maybe this uh, $600 additional um, federal unemployment, right? And so maybe they won't sign up for it or, or maybe, you know, they don't know about all these other programs that are available. So, yeah, so I like to stay in the, um, you know, two bed, one bath, three bed, two bath, 700 square feet, to 1500 square feet, um, very, very affordable rentals. Um, so as another example, so we had built a brand new construction duplex that was finished in 2019. So it was actually partially being built while we were on our 10 week trip to Southeast Asia, which was interesting. Um, and we were able to get $2,400 per side for that duplex. And, and that was really great. And, and we would put all this work into building it. And then I told my husband, I'm like, gosh, you know what? We kind of broke our strategy. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, $2,400 a month per side, that is not recession proof. And, and again, guys, this was in, this was way before all of this. And I said, you know what? We need to sell this. And we need to sell it because it, it, no, it, it's not recession proof. When the next recession hits, we are not going to be able to get $2,400 a month. And even though the cash flow is really good, we're not going to be able to get those rents. It's probably going to go down quite a bit in rent. So I don't want to hold on to this thing. Let's 1031 it. And we did. And our timing was perfect. So, uh, so a non-recession proof would be to me, that's, that's like a big single family residence that, um, you know, has high rents. It's just not affordable. Um, so yeah, I like the, you know, small, efficient, affordable rentals and the area matters too, of course, but as far as from a, from a unit standpoint. All right. So let's talk about strategy. So strategy is where you intentionally create a game plan for your passive income business. So step four, I'm going to advise you guys to pick two to three investing strategies. So everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, as an example, so for my strategies are value-add multifamily, build to rent, and supported living. So supported living, um, you know, we, we rent out many of our rental units to people with intellectual disabilities which, uh, you know, they're, they're paid by social security income and disability income and they don't move out. So they stay, I mean, some of our tenants have been there for 10 plus years. They're not moving out anytime soon. Um, so that's also kind of a recession proof investing strategy as well. So that's why it's, uh, in our top three. Um, but yeah, so I, I turn down deals when they, they come across and they're, you know, flips, it's really easy for me to say no to a flip. It's really easy for me to say no to a, single family, big development deal. Cause that's just not an investment strategy that we're working on. Um, so for you guys too, yeah, I would, I would highly suggest that you pick maybe two to three investing strategies focus there. Um, we did have a self-storage deal that we were working on earlier this year that, uh, kind of blew up at the end uh, that we didn't end up closing on. So we had added that to our investing strategy. Um, there was, there's quite a bit of learning curve there. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, on-demand learning. <laughs> so uh, until that deal came up, um, you know, I said, okay, well, I can quickly kind of educate myself on this investment strategy. And because I have so many, uh, all my friends are investors, I called the ones that, <laughs> that had sell storage and said, all right, you know, this is, 
this is the assumptions that I'm making. Am I correct or am I not? Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about uh, attracting your tribe uh, a little bit later there. All right. Step five, figure out where to invest. So now that you have your criteria, your strategy, you need to figure out the best places to invest uh, for you. So for me, I want to invest in areas with high population growth, job growth, wage increases, low crime, and where I can find deals that meet my double-digit cash flow. So uh, we invest primarily, like uh, Tennessee is a, is a great state for us. Texas is another great state. Missouri works as well. We also own in Indiana. Uh, Eastern Washington uh, on the West Coast also meets our criteria. Um, so I would suggest no more than maybe three cities to focus on. Uh, I think Michael had also mentioned this too. You don't want to be looking in 17 cities. It's going to be way too difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to kind of figure out where you want to go. And, and also there's a big learning curve um, with all these different cities. All right. So step six, you need to learn and you need to think like an asset manager. So as you start building your investment portfolio, you want to get really good at asset management and operations. So what this looks like for me is every month I look at my rental portfolio. I look for opportunities to increase the returns. So we're looking at, you know, what are the rents? What could the rents be? Do we have an option? Uh, like, are we at a LTV standpoint where we can get a home equity line of credit? Does it make sense to do a cash out refinance? Should we sell this property? So a lot of investors, I think, um, as they're, when they're kind of in like, um, you know, buying mode, they tend to forget about the properties that they had already bought and they're, they're already moving on to the next one. Well, for me, and again, and I'm a big believer and it's not so much how many units you own. It's, uh, you know, how well does each unit do, right? So me, I, I'm, a, I'm operations and efficiency, right? I don't care how many units I own. I care about the net cash flow at the end of the day and what that does for my, my freedom and how much time, you know, I get back. So we, uh, we just did a 1031. I think we closed, well, yesterday um, on a 1031 duplex. Cash flow was fantastic. It met all our criteria, but for whatever reason, it took a lot of time. <laughs> so every month I'm like, oh, this thing, you know, another repair. Uh, so I said, all right, it's gone. Uh, it's taking too much time. I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, participating as much in these investments. Let's 1031 it. So, um, so that's thinking like an asset manager. All right. Let's talk about connections in this, um, just really maybe the most important category. All right. So step seven, so you have to create deal flow. So in order to scale and really focus on building passive income, you need to create deal flow where you're receiving at least five viable on or off market deals a week. So uh, I get probably, I don't know, anywhere from like 10 to 30 a week. Uh, and that's a lot. <laughs> but, um, but, it, but you know what? I analyze deals uh, every day. So it doesn't take much time to kind of look at them and filter, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't. Um, but this is a struggle for a lot of investors. Um, if this, this is a struggle for you guys, let me know in the chat. Because, um, you know, if, if you've kind of done everything that you can do and you've got your funds ready to go and you're pre-approved and you know where you're looking, um, but you're not finding deals and you don't have, you know, deals kind of flowing into your inbox, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to, uh, to do deals, right? Uh, it's going to be tough to execute on anything if you don't have deals coming to you. All right, so step eight, you need to build a team of empire builders and empire protectors. So as your rental portfolio grows, you need to simultaneously build a dream team. 
So we're talking about playing offense and defense. Offense would be our empire builders. That's what I call them. And these are our real estate agents, our lenders, our property managers, and then empire protectors. So these are the people that are, uh, a couple of people had mentioned that they really liked the attorney that was on earlier, right? Uh, so having a good CPA, having a great attorney, having um, an insurance broker, right? Uh, and then also the property managers also fall into this category, right? So they're helping you build your empire and then helping you protect it as well. So it's incredibly important to have that. All right. And then step nine is attracting your tribe. So I always ask people, who is your who? So anytime I want to do something, the first thing I say is, who do I know that's done this? Or who do I know that owns something like this? So when I was telling you guys about this self-storage deal that uh, you know came across my plate, wasn't necessarily something I was looking for. It was too good to pass up. Immediately, I, I thought, okay, who in my database, who do I know, who in my tribe that I can call um, and ask about self-storage? And I had a couple of people and all of them were willing to, uh, to share their knowledge with me. Um, so I was able to collapse time. You know, some of them have owned for you know, 10 plus years, right? And the benefit of talking to somebody that you know, owns that uh, type of property is huge, right? There were so many things that they brought up that, uh, that I wouldn't even thought of to look at, right? Uh, and then the next thing is like, who do you need to spend your time with to get to the next level? We've all heard, you know, your, your network is your net worth. And it's true, right? So for me, you know, I had mentioned that, um, you know, all of my friends are, a lot of my friends are, you know, business owners, they invest in real estate. Uh, we add value to each other. We travel together and we have this tribe and we're always kind of, uh, have, a, have a little bit of friendly competition behind it, right? Uh, we're challenging each other. Uh, to get to the next level. We're growing together. We're contributing uh, to our communities together. That's just kind of the values of our tribe. So, you know, I would ask you guys to kind of think about that think about the top five people that you guys are spending your time with. Um, are these people that are going to help you get to the next level? And if not, then who do you need to spend your time with uh, in order to get to the next level? And in order to kind of attract that tribe, that uh, the, the dream team or the, the people that you guys want to spend your time with, you need to be thinking about how you can add value to them. So, uh, so Jay has already done this, right? Jay, Jay has added value to me uh, by inviting me to speak to, to his community, right? Uh, to you guys tonight. And so the law of reciprocity says, well, I owe Jay. <laughs> and I immediately want to add value back to Jay. So, uh, you know, I, I jumped on tonight and I was reminded, ah, I haven't donated yet. Let me donate really quick. And I'm still thinking like, okay, like how, can, how else can I add value back to Jay? Because Jay's a person of you know high integrity, he is you know doing all of this for for us, for you guys, uh, for all of us for free. Um, so immediately I think, okay, like I need to make sure that I add value back to Jay. So it's it's pretty simple if you come from a place of, of looking to add value to to people that are doing big things, um, and and it'll it'll go far. And, and that's kind of how I've attracted all of my tribe. I mean, some of the like I have another friend. Um, he has a uh, seven hundred and fifty units. Um, all owned personally. This is not through syndication. Uh, I talk to him maybe on a monthly basis and I'm continually thinking, okay, like how, how can I add value to Scott? Um, you know, how can I uh, learn from him and add value to somebody like that so that I can stay in, in his tribe, right? Stay in his sphere of influence. All right, guys, you've been really quiet. Are you still there? I know it's super late. It's, it's at the end of the night for you guys. So, um, so I want to 
get to maybe some questions. Uh, if you guys have any questions, I see there's two in the chat. Jay, do you want to moderate or do you want? Yeah, um, yeah go for it. Yeah, uh, Pia writes, she's taken tons of notes. So, um, it's, oh, amazing. I am too, by the way. <laughs> by oh, the way, good. I ah. appreciate the co comments. Uh, you threw my way. That's that's incredible stuff. Um, much well, appreciated. Um, Cindy Byler asked, uh, where do you invest in Texas? When you said Texas, it's like, Ah, like everybody, like uh, Cindy said something, uh, Clayton Mercer. I'm gonna assume that Clayton's from Texas too. So, uh, but where do you invest in Texas? Yeah, so uh, I like San Antonio, I like Colleen, Texas, and then uh, I'm a general partner on a 212 unit in Irving, Texas. Irving, Texas is so big, I don't remember where hell it's uh, DFW, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, it's like a uh, suburb of DFW. Cindy says she lives in uh, Colleen, which I guess is close to some of your properties. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's outside um, of Austin. Reinhardt asks, how do you plan to find deals over the next dip? Hey, Reinhardt. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> Second time this week. All right. Uh, how, do we, how do I plan to find deals? So I have massive deal flow from all of these agents that... Uh, are in our agents invest network. Um, so deal flow actually isn't an issue for me. Uh, the downside is right now, uh, you know, commercial financing is tough. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in this 1031 exchange where we literally just closed yesterday. Uh, I'm negotiating on a 14 unit right now. I offered $350,000 lower than asking price. Uh, we're about 50 grand apart. And I think we're going to be able to do that deal. So um, I think we're going to see some sellers that are probably not going to put their properties on the market right away. So it's going to take some time for all this to kind of flush out. Um, but I, I think uh, I think general consensus is yeah we're we're going to see some some good inventory come up for uh, prices that are that are discounted from what we've seen lately. So so yeah, so I'm just going to look at my inbox, <laughs> see what I've got, and um, and just kind of go from there. You know, I, I make probably. I don't know, maybe five offers a month or so, maybe, maybe almost like one a week, uh, depending on kind of what's going on. Um, and right now I'm making more offers, but I am, uh, I'm very aggressive right now. Uh, cause you know, commercial financing is tough. So we're going to have to get pretty creative. Um, and that's Tanya, um, Burke asked, can you still get HELOC currently? Ooh, Tanya, I don't know. Um, lending is really tightened up. So, uh, you know, I have, HELOCs that I've had just forever. Um, I drew them, meaning I took the full balance and put them in my bank account just so that the bank wouldn't take it back. It's a little extreme. And of course, yeah, I am paying um, you know, the small amount of interest on those. But uh, it may be a little tough. You know, you'd, you'd want to call. You didn't mention if it was for an investment property or for your primary residence. Uh, if I had to, to guess, it'd probably be easier to get primary residence HELOC right now. Uh, I think investment property is going to be a little bit tougher, but I would call around. Uh, it also is going to be dependent on where you're at. So some markets haven't been hit as hard. Uh, primary. Okay. Yeah. So um, I probably would start with maybe some local credit unions and just call around and see if anyone is willing to do home equity lines of credit. Um, you might have to make you know more calls than you would normally in Maryland. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'd make some calls, start with credit unions. They tend to offer the best rates. Jen says we closed on a HELOC on Monday. It took two months. Wow. I've never, uh, <laughs> on all of my, my investment property HELOCs, I mean, they took like 10 days to two weeks. So, but you know what? Things are crazy right now. Things are, things are different. 
I've got so, a, this is, I'm, I'm going to steal the Q and a for a minute. Um, because you said yeah. something, I, I think it's utterly important for people to understand is that, um, you know, your friends, uh, you said your network of most of your friends invest, right? And how, if you're first getting started, people are going to come out of the woodworks and tell you you're doing it wrong. Don't, don't get into it right now, all this other stuff. And that is something I have been working on this year, really been focusing on building those right relationships. And I'm getting this warning that my internet's unstable, so I apologize if I'm crackling or whatnot. But what are some of the things that you can, uh, yes, you run a great group on Facebook, (laughs) uh, but for how can people, if they're, you know, I'm an introvert, uh, I am completely more comfortable with virtual meetings and whatnot. Um, But if people are wanting to get out and shake some hands and kiss some babies and do all the stuff that you know, to start building those relationships. Obviously, we're in this quarantine. Everybody's kind of in lockdown. But what are some of the things that people can do to start to build those relationships? And then we're, when we're all out of this, they can enhance those. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Amazing question. Well, start with this community, right? So everyone, the 67 people, you guys, again, I'm just like blown away that you guys are still going strong here. Uh, the 67 people, if I were you guys, I would be networking with each other right now. Uh, we should be seeing in the chat, hey, hi, uh, I'm in Maryland, I'm in Texas. Where are you guys at? This is what I'm looking to do. This is my criteria. Anyone have deals? You know, what are you looking to do? This is my area of strength. How can I add value to you? Um, it's a little weird right now that, yeah, we can't, uh, like maybe two months ago, I would have said go to local meetups, right? right? Uh, go to local meetups, um, you know, hang out with the people that are doing big things. Can't do that right now. So, uh, but you know what, guys? There's 67 people on right now, and I would start chatting with them, uh, networking with them. Jay, you have kind of a, a Facebook group, and it's kind of huge too. I mean, you've got how many thousand people in there? Um, one for every kid. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, we're approaching 7,000, so it's getting and it's pretty active. Uh, you know. What I'm planning to do, especially for the people who stuck it out for the last couple of days and have donated and, and, and just been real troopers about this, is I, I do my Masterminds a weekly weekly meetup. And what I'm going to do, uh, I've got to figure out how I'm going to present this or, or do it just so my wife doesn't kill me. But I love, I'm like you, I love talking about this stuff. And what I'm probably going to do is offer Zoom meetings so it's not everybody has their camera on, everybody's got their microphone, we actually interact to help do some of that stuff. I've got to figure out how to present that and the schedule of it. But for those folks who have donated, especially for the folks who have donated and for the people who have stuck it out for a day and a half and just if they're like me, they're in information overload, I'm going to offer that up. But yes, you, you're correct. The Facebook group uh, is the free way to get in, right? It's a community. I don't allow any sort of ads in there uh, at all. Um, I think you've been gracious enough to let me post some things into your group. Uh, and I'm <laughs> yep. like, I think it's... Because I like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you very va- much. You add value to people. Awesome. Thank you. But yeah, there's no, there's no spam. You know, I've got a couple of people that help me with, with monitoring the Facebook and making sure... Uh, people come in to ask questions, right? And, and ask questions, yep. get, get inside. It's not one for you to post your deals on or anything like that. There's plenty of other stuff uh, out there for that. So, uh, but yes, uh, I do have somewhat of a, a tribe, I guess you could say. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's taken advantage of the technologies that we have uh, and during yep. this time. So 
Thank you, Pia. I will probably take you up on that. (laughs) Um, So any other questions uh, for Miss Jennifer Beatles? Guys, this has been incredible. I think, Jennifer, the energy that you brought is what we needed to take us home, right? (laughs) You came in here all fresh and and you offered, you're like, hey, do you mind if I entertain for a couple minutes? (laughs) Not at all, please. So... um, no, but you guys chat. have an amazing group. Again, I am just so impressed by you guys, all of you. They they've been very chatty for the last couple of days too. So it's, <laughs> it's been good. It's been good. And I told them at the beginning, I said the only reason this is not an actual meeting and it's just a webinar is because there was over uh, last time I looked, there was five hundred and seventy three people who registered for this, and all of a sudden an anxiety attack just hit. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to mute and control that and control call quality? So we're going to take it to the next step. We're going to take it to the next level and do some actual meetings and have 60 little, uh, I call it the Brady Bunch boxes all over the screen uh, for people to talk and chat. So um, I had another question and it escaped me because I started rambling on. So you just brought up another slide. You want to? Oh, I was going to tell you guys, if you're struggling with deal flow, Uh, We send out deals every week for free. So you can join our list for free. We've got, uh, I had a couple examples on there. We had a 34 unit in Colleen, Texas. So my my Texas peeps, we got you. Uh, (laughs) We've got another friend of mine, uh, Cody. He's buying a 42 unit. Uh, I let him have that one because he was doing a 1031. And so I said, okay, fine. You can have that one. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Talk about reciprocity. That's going to come back to you eventually. I've, I've guarantee it. How do I, how do yeah, I get yeah. on your list? I don't think I'm on your list. Yeah. So go to uh, addictedtoRI.com and then there's a little button at the top that says deal list. Done. And so you just got to fill out the info. We'll get you the deals. And um, yeah, and that's a really great, you know, I tell people to, um, even if you're not buying right now, you should be analyzing a deal a day, right? So, um, you know, join the list, analyze deals. If you need a deal calculator. Jay, I bet you have one. We have one too. Give it away mm-hmm. for free. Don't use anything fancy, guys. Um, but you know what? I would use this time to uh, build your skill set, build your knowledge, connect with each other, as Jay had said. And you guys are amazing. Uh, I see some questions. Can I grab these real quick, Jay? Or are you, you just you bet. Done? I probably missed them. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Cindy asks, I remember when you were building those. Yeah, our duplex. Yes, they were supposed to house the disability people. And they backed out on us the last second. So basically we built this single story duplex, four bedrooms each side, because we were going to rent it out to supported living. Uh, we were going to get like 3,200 bucks a unit for that and had walked through it with them multiple times. And then they said last second, Hey, we don't have staff for it. Um, sorry. <laughs> so we had to put, we had to put regular tenants in there. It was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, we could have condo the units and sold them too and made a lot more money. But we just decided, hey, let's just do a quick 1031 um, since it's no longer recession proof. And again, I'm so glad that we that we sold it at that time. But uh, but yeah, Cindy, you you're right. We were building it for support living. So Chris asks, considering the potential market change, do you think the surrounding areas in Seattle might become a market worth investing in? So me personally, yeah, I hope so. Um, the only thing, you know, Chris, I'll, I'll tell you, we've got a good amount of rentals in Seattle. I like having diversification across multiple areas. So like, I like knowing that we've got rentals in the Seattle area 
that we've got rentals in, you know, we've got a property in Indiana. We've got some properties in Tennessee. We've got some properties in Texas. Um, so I, I kind of like having that diversification. I mean, it's great when we have rent, uh, properties by ours, but you know, one thing um, I should mention, so we self-manage all of our Washington area rentals. We have property managers on our out-of-state stuff. And it took us nine years for guys to go out of state. So like I get when Michael's like, ah, I don't want to go out of state. I get it. Uh, we wanted to continue to buy. We couldn't find deals, you know, on, on our side of the mountains, right? Um, and now my husband says he, he doesn't want to buy any locally anymore because it's too easy for us to drive over there and to get involved. Whereas out of state, we can't. So uh, the great thing is, you know, we own in Tennessee. We love going to Nashville. We went to Nashville like four times last year, get to write it off visit our properties. Uh, so for us, it's been really, really great. So, um, Reinhard, what are good rates for HELOCs? Um, 3%. Jennifer, thank you for bringing this up. Cause I don't know what's going on with, with zoom, but I didn't see any of these questions. And then all of a sudden they just oh. appeared. So <laughs> thank you for keeping an eye on that. Oh my God, you're taking your are, job, Jay. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're, you're helping me out. Uh, that you're, you're okay, re- considered repaid. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, um, Tyler asks, how do you suggest financing investment properties with not a lot of cash in the bank at a time like this? Yeah, Tyler. So I would partner with somebody that does have a lot of cash in the bank that wants to invest and where you can find a solution, like maybe, maybe you're the guy that is the operator and they want to be passive. So in the past, um, when we were building single family, everyone that we raised capital with wanted to be passive. And they didn't really have the time or the knowledge, right? So I had the time and I had the knowledge, but they had the money. And that was a beautiful thing. It worked really, really well. So, uh, so Tyler, yeah, I would focus on, on being the deal guy, right? And maybe being the operator and then trying to find somebody. There's a lot of people out there right now um, that have a lot of capital that would like to get into real estate, but maybe they don't know where to start or they don't have the time or they're maybe a little um, you know, worried about like how they can manage all that. And if you can solve that for them, then that could be a win-win for both of you. Great question. All right. Uh, we got another one. El Gonzalez. All right. So much like yourself, I've been thinking about becoming a real estate agent, not to actually sell, but to help me in investing. Is it worth the time and effort or just pay real estate fees? Um, yeah, it's an expensive hobby if you don't use it. So if you're planning to invest out of state, I would say don't do it. it, it you know, you can only get licensed in your state, right? So it probably doesn't make sense to have a real estate license, but if you can find deals in your area and you can use your own key and let yourself in and you can use that commission towards the down payment, then absolutely. All right. Cindy asks, so technically that would have made it recession proof, correct? Um, I remember, uh, were we talking about the new construction? But yeah, I think that's what you mean. If, uh, if you're talking about the duplex that we built, that we would have rented to supported living had they actually, you know, consummated our agreement, then we probably would have kept it, and our cash flow would have been insane. So we built that duplex for three hundred and thirty thousand. It appraised for six hundred and fifty thousand, and we were getting forty eight hundred dollars a month in rents with regular tenants, and we would have gotten uh, sixty four hundred um, or so in rents. So yeah, we probably would have kept it had those guys moved in because they they just don't move out when they move in. Tanya, can you convert a property to supportive living? Absolutely. How does that work? Um, yeah, I have a blog post on my blog. It's uh, Addiction to ROI. If you search supportive living, 
Uh, there's more information on that. And it's a really popular strategy, especially now because it's uh, so half of our Washington rentals are supported living and the rents come in like clockwork. Uh, we, just, we actually did some rent increases um, and it worked really well for us. They don't move out. We have no tenant turnovers. We never have to place tenants. They pay all utilities, right? Uh, so essentially we get a 0% vacancy rate. We save about 30% on the expenses and they never leave. So we love it. All right, so we're <laughs> getting a lot of questions on that. Um, Pia, how to establish credibility to investors as a trustworthy deal person when you're new to real estate? Yeah, um, I would be honest. Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, shoot, when we started building houses, I had never built houses by myself before. Um, I had built it for the company that I worked with. And I was very honest and transparent with the investors. As I said, look, I've never done this on my own before, but here's the deal. Um, I take this very seriously. These are my numbers. So like, um, I think if you can find a really, really good deal and you're very honest and transparent with people, then people are going to, some people might, might not you know, work for them, but other people will say, all right, you know, and, and they'll give you a chance. So yeah, I would just be very honest. Maybe Pia, I imagine you have something else that you've had a lot of success in. Um, Pia, you could also say, hey, you know, I'm friends with this guy, Jay. He puts out a lot of great content. I'm always learning. Um, you know, I'm going to take this seriously. I have a lot of people that I can reach out to and um, that can kind of mentor me through this um, deal or, you know, whatever. Um, I think just having a network and having people that have kind of been where you've gone and, and have been on that journey to reach out to is huge. But I think you first got to be transparent and honest with the people that um, you're looking to partner with. Uh, the other thing too, I, you know, I didn't, I can't remember who asked the initial question, but the other thing you can do is you can wholesale the deal. If you can find a good deal, but maybe nobody wants to partner with you or, or, you know, whatever, um, you can wholesale it to another investor and make some money that way. I mean, I have wholesalers in my market, you guys, that make like 200 grand a year just on wholesaling properties. Now, I always go to them and I said, all right, guys, it's time for you to start buying some of these. Because uh, there's a point where, again, like when you're, when you're doing really well in self-employment, um, but you don't have any like passive income streams come in, it's, it's a trap, right? So, uh, Jay, let me know if you want your job back. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, you tell me. I, I am being entertained and loving to see you entertain these questions. You're, you're doing an awesome job. Um, okay. Oh, you guys you are so let fun me again. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you. You let me know when you run out of steam or whatnot. I don't want to go over your. I mean, we've already been over the time. So uh, oh, are we? I, oh, shoot. Sorry. Well, guys. you were supposed Jeez. to go to, to 745, but you started early. So I'm I'm gonna leave it up to you. I don't want to take advantage of your time because you you've blown us away with your presentation and the, the way you've answered the oh, question. You guys are It's um, it's up to you. Maybe, maybe we'll tell your wife. When to, when to cut it off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she'll say, she'll say, okay, you guys are done. Done. Yeah, not Give me my husband it. back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay. Let's maybe, let's maybe get this question uh, with you. Uh, Yan, Yan. Ah, I don't know how to say it. Yan. Um, if I'm looking to invest out of state, what do you recommend looking for in a good property management company? Yeah. Uh, property management is incredibly important. So I would, I would recommend trying to find someone by referral. Right, so reach out to other investors that are investing in that area and say, hey, who do you use with for property management? That's not an option. Ask your real estate agent to send you their best uh, top three property managers and then interview them. And every property manager that you, that you interview, ask for references, right? And get them to send you a list of, out of specifically out-of-state investors that they work with and talk with them. 
Um, but yeah, I think the thing that, you know, I'm not so much about the fees because uh, you get what you pay for, right? Um, but as far as a, a property manager, I mean, I would ask them, um, I would kind of put them to the test, right? So I'd say things like, uh, are current rents fair market rents? Like, am I under rented or, or can I get more rent? And then if they say, well, yeah, it's probably under market, ask them to see um, like what you would need to do in order to get higher rents. Um, and see, see if they can answer that question. See, you kind of want to see how they think, right? And then um, I think it's also important to ask, do they own rental properties currently? Because what I found is that property managers that also own rental properties, they're going to treat your property like it's their own most of the time. Other property managers that I've talked to that just don't own rental properties, they, they just, I don't know. I just don't think they're as good, personally. They don't, it doesn't click for them. I'm with you. Yeah. It doesn't click. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that's important to me too um, is I like my out-of-state property managers that they can also offer project management. So when I'm doing an out-of-state renovation, I like to hire, and I, I'm happy to pay a property manager extra to go by there every week and make sure that the contractor is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So if I can find a property manager, and most of our property managers are willing to do that, that we work with, um, that's beautiful. It's great to have because they have skin in the game too. They're not like their agent who's going to be on to the next deal after you close, right? They're, they're going to be, you know, leasing it out after the renovation's done. So I like that. There's one, cool. one question that bubbled up. Oh. Um, Jen yeah. Motes asked, and, and somebody gave it a thumbs up to, to bump it up the list. Can you talk about your tenant criteria? And do you see that changing with what's going on with COVID? Yeah. Um, so our tenant criteria, so we're a little different. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Uh, we don't mind tenants that have bad credit. So I do look at their credit to see a lot of times we see medical bills you guys. And a lot of times that's not the tenant's fault. Um, so I look at their history of, of paying. Um, and then I also talk to every landlord that they have ever rented to. And I will, frankly, I'll put the most weight on their previous landlords. So, um, some of our tenants have horrible credit scores. And a lot of it is because they just lack credit or they, they didn't have a whole lot of trade lines. And then they had maybe an accident, got some medical bills uh, and their credit is bad because of that, right? So when you've given someone a chance that deserves a chance, they're gonna be really great tenants. Uh, we also allow pets, we charge pet rent and we charge pet deposits. And our people, like I would say on average, our tenant stays probably three and a half years. We have some tenants who've just been with us forever. Um, and that's because we, we like to give people chances that, uh, that we think should get chances. Now, what I won't accept is people who lie. If I find any, like, or, or any kind of like victim mode. So if, so if a tenant calls me and, and they've got, you know, their landlord to complain about, their employer to complain about, and, and so many things to complain about, I won't rent to that person. Obviously, you have to follow fair housing law <laughs> and, and all that. Don't discriminate. But um, but yeah, you, you want to be really careful with, with who you select. Um, and then also get an idea of, of what your property managers, um, you know, like what is their criteria? Some of the property managers that I've talked to, they're like, oh yeah, we, we want a minimum 650 credit score. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's really good people out there that are, that are if you give them a chance and they ha if they have bad credit due to medical bills, you're missing out on a lot of people. So you don't want to be too strict on that, but you want to make sure that... Um, you're also not not letting things pass like uh, like former evictions or tenants that um, gave you misinformation on purpose on their application because that's usually a pattern. 
Shane Garner asked, how do you vet out-of-state real estate agents? Yeah, it's a long process, Chris or Shane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so a lot of calls. Um, So I have a team of four, uh, four amazing, brilliant women uh, that that work for our company. And uh, yeah, Sadina takes a lead on uh, vetting agents. A lot of times we get them from our investors too. Um, Or a lot of times they see what we're doing and they they raise their hand and say, hey, I want to be part of, of what you guys have going on love working with investors. This is my experience. Most of the agents that we work with already own investment properties themselves. And again, we love that. So yeah, we have a whole kind of a checklist. A lot of times, if, if we don't have like, if they didn't come by referral or we just don't have a whole lot of information about them, we'll ask them to send us deals for a couple of weeks. And then I will tear their deals apart. And I'll say, all right, well, you're saying it's worth this. Well, show me some comps or you know what? You assume that the rents are going to be this. You can like back that up. And so we'll go a couple of weeks, um, just really kind of vetting to make sure that they have the competency and knowledge um, that we think they need in order to work together. Um, A lot of our agents to either myself or uh, one of the ladies on our team um, is working with them too. So you can kind of, yeah, get in that way. And Jennifer, I don't know if you answered the other ones that are in there. So (laughs) Um, yeah, actually, let me get some of these um, going. And then if, uh, what we can do, if there's, if there's any other, um, post them real quick and then we will wrap up. I'll have some closing comments. Cool. Yes. Suggestion on how to automate your business as a broad brush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's what, here would be my suggestion. Pia, go travel for at least two weeks. See what breaks. Then you know what, and I, you I know was, what to automate, right? Yep. Um, I think every business owner needs to go away from their business for a certain period of time to see what breaks. So when you say go away, it's not, Hey, I'm going to travel and I've got my phone, I've got my tablet and I'm doing all this work. Not in the, you're talking about unplugging, right? You're you're saying Mm -hmm. don't call me unless somebody died kind of thing. Right. Yep. Um, James, I'm going to, James, uh, this will be the last question. Uh, and I, James, I saw that you donated to OUR. Thank you very much for everybody. We just passed the $8,000 mark for this mm-hmm. event. Uh, shout out to Tyler Croft. I know Tyler back from the childhood days. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, OB, OBG, I'm going to mispronounce your name. And then Christopher Garnett, you guys are awesome for doing that. Uh, it also looks like Billy Goodrich donated again. So that's pretty incredible. Um, thank you, Billy. But James uh, asked your favorite three real estate related books. Oh, real estate related books. You know, it's interesting. I don't read a whole lot of real estate books. And I know that might sound weird. I like to learn from other businesses because that teaches me how to be efficient in my business. Um, but all right, since you asked, let me look at my... <laughs> What's um, on the bookshelf? Yeah, I like Shift. I think Shift is going to be a good book right now. Uh, it's kind of geared towards real estate agents, but it, I think it would also be very good for you guys. Um, so Shift is a good one. I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, can't go wrong, right? Um, dang, I'm trying to think of another real estate book. Uh, I've got Hold on my bookshelf. Hold, like a uh, big Gary Keller fan. The one thing, it's not real estate, but uh, the one thing is really great too. Completely agree about um, the one thing. The one thing in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you haven't read those. Start there start there, but I've I posted the uh, link for shift in the comments. I have not awesome. heard of that one. So I'm going to add it to my cart. Great. Thanks. Jennifer, 
Thank you very much. You were the energy that I needed to get through <laughs> this last session because it's it's oh, been an uh, amazing event to, to juggle all this. So thank you very much. Very inspirational. Uh, I, I am surprised. Uh, you said something there that, that, uh, that you still analyze 10 to 30 properties a week. And yeah. you've been doing this for 13 years, uh, which is incredible. So um, uh, I have, I kind of gave up about six months ago when things were getting way out of uh, way too expensive. And I was like, you know what, yeah. we'll take a pause. But obviously, I need to get back into, uh, into it. Because I, I agree with you and a lot of other people who talked um, this weekend about there is a dip coming that uh, yeah. we all feel like we need to be prepared for. So, um, thank you again. Hey, are you seeing all the networking in your little chat here? I oh my do. gosh, you guys are I amazing. Do. I love this. Awesome. We got Rick, got Cindy. Those oh, Texas man. guys are coming out. I'm telling you. I love it. <laughs> you are my people. Um, yeah. You started that by the way. You did. <laughs> Ooh, Reinhard, the millionaire next door book. We got yes. book. Oh, you guys are awesome. Look at this. Um, but I'm, I'm going to wrap up real quick. Uh, everybody who's been here for the, in the, just a session or for, for the entire two days, it has been amazing. I want to thank you very much, uh, for being part of the first ever W2 Capitalist, uh, virtual real estate investing summit. Uh, I hope that if anything, the summit has provided some sort of normalcy in this COVID era that we're all living in. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting couple of months ahead. Uh, you've heard from experts and various investment strategies. And if you listen close enough, uh, some investors contradicted one another about what they think is going to happen. Just goes to show you, nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, and if you're at the point where you're trying to figure out why, um, you want to invest in real estate, that's where you need to start, right? It starts with knowing why you want to invest. Once you figure out why you want to invest, then the strategy that will work for you will become clearer and clearer. Uh, also, don't be afraid to fail. Um, I know we've talked a lot about mindset, uh, but you have to have the mindset that you will probably fail. Uh, and if you're not, I will question if you're pushing yourself hard enough. Uh, something we talk about in the mastermind a lot is, are you pushing yourself hard enough? Um, but I agree with a lot of uh, presenters that talked to that over the next three to six months, we all need to be super laser focused on studying the markets that we want to be in because opportunities are going to start to appear. I'm probably not as bullish as Michael was, and I, I should have entered. I wish we had had more time with him uh, to talk about that. But I am don't think there's going to be a huge influx of properties, but we'll see. We'll see who's right. Uh, for those of you who donated to Operation Underground Railroad, uh, for the warmest part of my heart, I want to thank you. Uh, we're leaving the summit. I'm leaving the summit to figure out the next steps to hit that $50,000 goal. Uh, you guys, over $8,000. And if you can just imagine how many lives that's going to change. It's just incredible. So uh, I am going to put something together for uh, a breakout session is what I'm going to call them for some continuing accountability. I don't want to leave the summit and think, you know, if you ever do one of these in person, you swap numbers with folks that don't, you know, don't, uh, let's not lose touch. Let's stay in touch. And that never happened. So I am going to follow up with you guys who attended and stuck it out and donated uh, to help keep this going, right? And do some virtual meetups, especially during uh, this COVID era until we can all get released and go back to our local RIA. So um, 
other ways you can interact, right? Uh, the chat feature has been awesome. The W2 Capitalist community. Let me post these, uh, this link um, in the chat real quick. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, I call it the community, but and right now it does live in Facebook. But if you missed the session, replays are going to be available soon. Um, and that's, that's kind of it. That's what, that's what I wanted to say. But uh, thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you very much. And as I like to say a lot in the Facebook group, earn, invest, repeat. We'll see you guys later. Have a great weekend. Thank you all. Bye.